This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. I'm your host, Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Buick is going all electric by 2030. Toyota, Hyundai, and Kia sales continue to tank. And Stellantis will build vans for Toyota in Europe. Plus, our own Pete Bigelow talks with Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago Automotive Policy Advisor, Kristen Gicek, about what's shaping EV adoption. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Buick is dropping gasoline-powered vehicle sales by 2030. The General Motors brand is rolling out a full lineup of electric vehicles that will revive the Electra name. The automaker does not plan to launch any new internal combustion vehicles after 2024. That's when its first EV is scheduled to arrive. Buick also updated its logo Wednesday to signal the coming overhaul of its lineup. Toyota, Hyundai, and Kia sales continue to decline in May. The automakers saw double-digit drops for a third straight month. That's because supply chains continue to cause problems for new vehicle sales. Toyota says volume dropped 27% in May, with deliveries off by that amount for both Toyota and Lexus. Hyundai deliveries slipped 34%, and Kia sales dropped 29%. By this time tomorrow, we expect to also have results from Honda, Volvo, and Ford. Other automakers report sales quarterly. The Lexus RX crossover is getting a complete redesign meant to lead the automaker into the next phase of electrification. Lexus unveiled the next generation RX in Japan and at Toyota Motor North America's headquarters in Plano, Texas. It repackages the nameplate on a new platform with several new drivetrains. They include the first RX plug-in as well as an F-Sport turbocharged hybrid. And speaking of Toyota, the company will get a large commercial van made by Stellantis for sale in Europe starting in mid-2024, and it will include an all-electric version. It will be the first time Toyota will have a large van to sell in Europe. Stellantis currently builds compact and mid-sized vans for Toyota in that market. No name has been announced. And those are today's headlines. So, Jamie, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Buick plans to go all EV by 2030. And we've been getting more and more announcements like this from automakers recently. How big of a deal is it that Buick is ending gasoline-powered vehicle sales by the end of the decade? Well, we know that GM's goal is to be all electric as a whole company by 2035. So Buick not having the big trucks that Chevy and GMC have, it makes sense that they would make that conversion a little earlier. It also fits well with the brand's position in China. It's a really important brand there. China is a huge EV market, the biggest in the world. So that makes a lot of sense. And when it comes to how ready customers are to switch to EVs, our Pete Bigelow spoke with Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago Automotive Policy Advisor Kristen Gicek about all the factors shaping EV adoption. We'll hear part of that conversation next on Daily Drive. Listen to Fred Hayes, service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. 
before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane were due to not being able to get to the customer in a, in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. And now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in. It helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk in the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing, 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Automakers are investing heavily in electric vehicles and consumer interest is on the rise. But to become more than a small sliver of the industry and really make a dent in global warming, prices need to come down to parity with gasoline-powered autos. How and when that will happen is something that policymakers, such as those at the U.S. Federal Reserve Bank, will be watching closely. To get a handle on the latest thinking, what could go right, what could go wrong, our Pete Bigelow called up Kristen Gicek, an automotive policy advisor for the Chicago Fed. Let's listen in on their conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Kristen. So good to have you here today. Thank you for having me. Uh, earlier this year, you joined the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago in a uh, role as an automotive policy advisor. Tell us about the new job to kick this off. Well, the Federal Reserve System you know, is keeping an eye on a lot of things, a lot of major transformations in the economy right now. And nothing could be more major in this region, um, in the Chicago region, than the transformation to electrification and automation in our core industry here in, in the automotive industry. So you know, they thought they needed to have somebody looking forward at what the economic consequences of electrification will be, not only here in the Chicago region, but in the United States more broadly. You know, I came into the job and we've had you know, even more supply chain disruptions that we've had to dig into and understand and grapple with. And, you know, think about all of the changes in and semiconductors and batteries and localization of supply chains and labor. It's all, you know, part of the process that goes into, you know, the Fed thinking about the economy and what's the best direction for policy. I'm guessing it's been about three months or so since you've been on the job. Have you had a day off in that time? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's yeah. Economic yeah. turmoil and uh, everything you just outlined. That that's good to know that uh, you can. I still negotiated that up front. <laughs> I I had a spring break with my son. So. All right. Super. Let's dive in on the electrification front here. Uh, what is the consumer appetite for electric vehicles right now? And, and how are these historically high gas prices boosting that in any way? Well, you know, gas prices and electrification, so hybrids and plug-in hybrids and battery electric vehicles have been disassociated for the last couple of years. We've had relatively low gas prices and a big uptick in consumer acceptance of battery electric hybrid and, and plug-in hybrid vehicles. 
And, you know, you can think that those are things that, you know, people want to get into a more fuel efficient vehicle for economic reasons to save on gas. But, you know, I think the climate is really a big factor here too in, in people's purchase decisions. I know when I buy a new car, I always try to buy a car that's more efficient than the one I just turned in. So there are a lot more opportunities to do that with more product in the well, I'm going to say available, but it's not really available right now. You know, more product offerings in those electrified categories. So as they build them, the consumers do appear to be coming uh, to more fuel efficient vehicles. Now, it's the gas prices have been shockingly high so far this year. We haven't seen a big tick in electric vehicles, and partially that is due to these supply constraints. I know I, I have a hybrid vehicle on order for a few months. <laughs> I don't know when I will see it. <laughs> and, you know, I spoke with my dealer earlier this week and I said, so the last hybrid that was delivered to your dealership, when did that person order it? And they said, well, it just came, we had one this week and that person ordered it in October. So, you know, the supply constraints are really tight on particularly the amount of chips and componentry that has to go into hybrid and electric vehicles. So it's still a supply constrained market. So it's hard to go directly to <laughs> gas prices are up. People are going to more fuel efficient vehicles when there aren't many available. What, let's dive in on that supply chain constraint portion right now. What's the status of that? Are we six months behind? Do you see a, a light at the end of the tunnel on that front? Well, everything I'm hearing is that orders for constrained parts including chips, are becoming more regular. So not necessarily that there's a huge amount more supply and we're breaking through and going to return to normal, but when we order things, they come at the time we think they will come. So, you know, a more orderly and regular and predictable uh, supply is is on the horizon here for later this year and, and some recovery in, in production volumes. So cross something, knock on wood, because anything can throw this off kilter. You know, we've, we saw the, you know, just since I joined the Fed, there was a blockade of the largest trade border with Canada. We have a war in Europe. We had COVID shutdowns in China. Who knows what the next thing could be? But I think that right now, if all things stay equal, it looks like there is room for some recovery in production this year. Looking a little bit further out than just this year and all these circumstances you just, you just mentioned might make it harder to make a medium term to longer term prediction. But you know, how do you see EVs as a percent of market share, uh, if, and perhaps volume as well, uh, growing like let's say now through the end of this decade? There's a lot of factors that go into how, how big of a market share there can be. Certainly there's been a big commitment from automakers to go to produce the vehicles and to invest in this transformation to electrification. That's great. That's one part of it. You know, policy is trying to align behind that, but our consumer incentives, the federal level consumer incentives are running out. They've run out for Tesla and General Motors. This year, we'll probably see three more automakers join that, losing the uh, federal incentive uh, with Nissan, Ford, and Toyota, I believe, are right near the border. I don't know, I mean, how that factors in to uptick in electrification. There's not a market in the world that doesn't have a consumer, a strong consumer incentive that has gotten to high EV penetration. So all the high EV markets have some kind of consumer incentive, usually from a federal level and oftentimes supplemented with state or local. 
and other um, non-purchase incentives, even like uh, charging or toll road, you know, reduced fares or no fares on your toll roads, lots of other ongoing benefits to owning a, an electric vehicle. So we're losing the federal benefit and it doesn't, I, you know, I, I'm not going to predict what Congress is going to do, but there's a very narrow window for them to act yet this year before these three automakers join Tesla and GM in that category. So policy has a lot to do with this. Gas prices has a lot to do with this. The price of those vehicles has a lot to do with it too. I mean, we're seeing steadily increasing prices for new vehicles. Battery electric vehicles that if you look at average transaction prices are pricing in about $20,000 higher than the average vehicle. And you know, that's going to be difficult to get to a wider market if there's not more availability in entry level and, and more moderately priced vehicles. Some automakers are aiming at that market, but we haven't seen those products come in yet. So I'll, there's a lot of factors I don't really want to say it's going to be X percent by whatever year. They, we can get to higher percentages, but there's a lot of things that have to line up. Well, what's interesting to hear you talk about that is, uh, you know, in the news every day, we see, of course, this this march toward an inflection point. It's, or at least it feels that way. But when you talk about the the incentives uh, expiring and supply chain constraints, and of course the economic volatility that we're seeing, there's a whole lot of question marks. Uh, is what I'm taking away well, here. As and, and what the regulatory environment is going to be. I mean, right? We we had a regulatory pendulum swing uh, to more liberal fuel economy and then we saw it tighten under this current administration and we could see it go swing back again now it may not matter where regulatory targets end up i mean the automakers need to meet those regulations but consumers may be pulling this further than regulations and we saw that you know during the last administration that there was a huge uptick in electric vehicle adoption when we had more lenient fuel economy requirements Pete Bigelow spoke with Chicago Fed Automotive Advisor Kristen Gicek on the latest episode of Shift, a podcast about mobility from Automotive News. You can hear the full conversation wherever you get your podcasts. And that's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jenk Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on electrification, retail, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.